Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Much of academia lives by an old three-word slogan, publish or perish. Well, two members of the MTSU faculty and some colleagues from other institutions have created their own academic journal for peer-reviewed articles called Educational Practices in Kinesiology. Volume 1, Issue 1 came out this year. With us are Dr. Jennifer Caputo, a professor of exercise science, and her colleague, Dr. Samantha Johnson, an assistant professor of exercise science. We'll turn the pages of this new journal after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The numbers are in, and the winners are MTSU students who've exercised their right to vote. Student voting at MTSU increased from 44% in both 2016 and 14 to 65% in 2020. That's a 21% increase, according to the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement of the Institute for Democracy and Higher Education at Tufts University in Massachusetts. In addition, 84% of MTSU students registered to vote in the 2020 election compared to 72 percent in 2016. That's a 12 percent increase. The vast majority of MTSU students, 93 percent of them, voted in person at the polls. 72 percent of MTSU students took advantage of early voting. That's up from 58 percent in 2016. And MTSU faculty members are facilitating Literacy Night events that provide hands-on experience for College of Education students with local public school children and the community. In partnership with local school districts, most often Rutherford County Schools, and the local nonprofit Read to Succeed, Literacy Nights take place at local schools and bring together elementary school students, families, and MTSU students for a complimentary meal and books provided by Read to Succeed. Faculty and students had to get creative to continue the popular events while adhering to coronavirus restrictions, rebranding the nights as literacy lanes, with more of them planned for the future. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Jen, Sam, welcome. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Uh, let's start out by defining kinesiology for the lay person. What is it? Either one of you can take it. Well, kinesiology in general terms is the study of physical activity. And that can be done from several different angles. It could be from the psychology perspective, a biomechanics perspective. Our field is exercise science or ex exercise physiology. Uh, so there's lots of different ways to study movement of the human. So this is about the way your muscles work, and, well, partly anyway, and partly about the right way and the wrong way to use your muscles, the right way and the wrong way to exercise, the right way and the wrong way to lift things so that you don't hurt yourself. That's part of what kinesiology is, right? That is part Correct. of it. It, it. There's also a clinical side to that. Um, how can we use movement to either treat or prevent disease? Um, the performance side of that is how can we use science to make people faster, stronger, as you were mentioning, the muscle, muscle component of that. Uh, why did you start the journal? Uh, what, what compelled you to start it? Because not, not everybody who's a professor says, oh, well, I'm going to make my own journal to heck with sending my thing in to somebody else. Well, I guess I can give my spin on it first and sure. then you can put yours in. Um, 
for me, I think it was that, you know, we see a lot of fields where they do have almost these repositories of resources where professors can get on and say, I've taught this this way and it works so well. And it's that whole concept of working smarter instead of harder, right? Like if Jen has a really good way of teaching how a muscle contracts, why would I try to reinvent the wheel when I can just slightly modify what she does? So we wanted to develop a place where that could occur, but we also wanted to make sure that it was a place where people were rewarded for their scholarly efforts. And so making it a peer reviewed journal allowed us to take it one step further, where now it's not just a free open access resource library for people working in kinesiology, but they're also actually getting the credit that we seek in academia to do that. Yeah. So it supports both the scholarship of teaching and learning, but also just the improvement of the application of the pedagogy. So there are, there are two tracks actually that are with this journal. There's the traditional journal submission, which we're all familiar with in academics. But the other side of that is, as Sam mentioned, it's a teaching repository. So individuals are actually able to submit um, activities that have worked well or plans that they've put together um, for a new way of testing or a new way of assessment. So if a faculty member is looking for a resource that would be free of charge, free to access, this is one place they could do that. Did, did you think that there needed to be a new journal because there was a lack of places for academics to publish research on this subject? Were you, were you uh, finding sort of a dearth of, of journals out there where people could publish things about this discipline? I think there, there are two prongs or two pieces that we were trying to address specifically. One is that this is gonna be discipline specific. So when you're talking about, for example, an exercise science, it gives us that anatomy perspective, the physiology perspective. So we can take a resource and apply it directly to our own classes. Um, so that is one part of that. The other part is that it actually gives us the repository for teaching resources that are free of charge. And that's something I think we all realized during the pandemic that we just went through when we were online all searching for new ways or innovative ways to work with our students that we had trouble finding some of those resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's evidence as well that there was a gap existing because what, what eventually culminated into our journal called Epic is we were two separate groups of people working to solve the same problem. And we were in a special interest group for people who are in higher education and kinesiology and somehow ended up learning that we were trying to do the exact same thing. And so we became one whole group that was able to accomplish what we're pretty excited about. But <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's, a, there's another faculty member who's from the University of Tennessee. So it's another female who's in Tennessee. Uh, we have a faculty member who is in upstate New York another one who is in Minnesota, and another one at a university in Ohio. So there's a group of six of us who came together and have been working every week to develop this journal. So there's going to be, great, uh, there's going to be a great deal of diversity of thought, a great deal of diversity of approaches. And uh, the fact that you're narrowing it down to kinesiology means that it won't take on the size of war and peace because your department is health and human performance, which takes in a lot of territory. By narrowing it down to kinesiology, you're, you're saying, all right, it, it falls under this umbrella, not this umbrella. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, yep. Uh, how will the process 
look, what will the process look like for uh, reviewing the articles that are submitted to the journal? Uh, you're not all in the same place. Do you all get together on Zoom and then discuss each submission and say, well, I like this for this reason, or how does that work? Uh, it'll be much like a traditional journal. Um, everything will be receiving a blind review by two professionals in the field. So it, in addition to being looked at by one of our editors, it will also be sent out to two other professors in exercise science or biomechanics or sports psychology, whatever the discipline specific topic is going to be. And it'll get a blind review from two other individuals. Yeah. Now, we when you say blind review, does that mean they won't know who submitted or what university it's coming from? Is that what blind review means? Yes. So they don't know whose work they're reviewing. And when they give their comments to the authors, they are never told who reviewed their work. So, um, yeah. And we have the, the people who are volunteering to serve as reviewers actually indicate their areas of expertise to us when they sign up to be a reviewer. So we're able to make sure that, you know, if we have somebody submit something that's related to biomechanics, we want to make sure that other people who are experts in that area and who are teaching in that area are the ones reviewing those resources. So the reviewers won't just be restricted to those of you who created the journal. There will be other people who will be reviewing voluntarily and uh, will be conducting the blind reviews. Then they could be any number of people, numerous academics who will be contributing. Definitely. Yeah, the Definitely. goal is for us to actually be able to take that impartial kind of mediator role where we have the, the reviewers giving us their two cents and then we kind of serve as that filter the of oversight. information and yeah, we oversee the, the process. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guests are Dr. Jennifer Caputo and Dr. Samantha Johnson, who are pro uh, professor and assistant professor, respectively, of exercise science in the Department of Health and Human Performance, and uh, co-creators of a new journal called Educational Practices in Kinesiology. Tell me, uh, you, you alluded to it earlier in a way, but what kinds of topics do you think the authors who send you submissions will tackle? Um, I think they actually are able to span quite a broad variety. So we, we even expanded up to sports psychology and things that we don't see typically as exercise science or biomechanics. Um, but I think really the possibilities are endless. Um, you know, we have people can be submitting things about how they assess their students even. So it's not even just how do you teach this one topic? It's 
unique, unique ways of assessing your students or running your classroom. So we're really trying to bridge that gap between the really, really good things we see in higher education journals already, but with the direct application where faculty members don't have to say, okay, how can I make this work for my class where it's just here, I teach this in XFIS and I've applied it for you, have fun. <laughs> what does it take to start up a journal? Uh, how, how do you go about it? Uh, who publishes it? Uh, where is it housed? Does it take money? And how do you make sure people know about it? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. A lot so we were fortunate enough that as we were kind of starting this project up, we actually were working under the umbrella of another journal in our field called uh, the International Journal of Exercise Science. And so we have kind of been mentored by somebody who works through them uh, to help us understand all of the things that they had to work through as they were learning how to start a journal. So we are fortunate enough to have a team of people supporting us that have worked through so much of, of the kinks of that. Um, we're not yet at a point where we're, we're worried about charging people for submitting or publishing yet. So we're still at the free submission stage. So we honestly, you know, we're still in the learning phases of that part as well. <laughs> but um, we've, we've been fortunate enough that the, you know, the people that are helping us get our site up and running and helping us run the platform where people submit and give their reviews and all of that. Um, it's just been as seamless as it can be, I guess, but you don't realize how much work goes into definitely. it. I mean, we have had a, a meeting every week for almost a year and a half <laughs> and we're still you know getting all the final things worked out so it's mm -hmm. it is a process and one that i would say would be very challenging if you didn't love the team you worked with <laughs> yeah. so we're the journal is actually housed at western kentucky mm -hmm. university through their online system mm -hmm. did you have to run this idea past your chair and your dean or could you just do it no, we were part of a larger group. And because it's not being housed at MTSU, um, this was something that we were able to do on our own. Mm -hmm. So what did your chair and your dean think of what you're doing? Do they support you in what you're doing? I guess is what I have to say. Our dean's very supportive. He actually uh, put an announcement in the presidential newsletter that went out at the beginning of the fall semester. So he's been sharing that information. So yes, we've received support from both of those individuals. Yep. And with regard to uh, not charging people uh, for the submissions, maybe folks don't realize that if, if you've never been on Google Scholar searching for an academic article, uh, you have not run into some of the paywalls that some people who do not have access to an academic library like the James E. Walker Library here at MTSU uh, run into. You, if you just do it from your home computer, you might find this academic article and it'll say, okay, you want to download the whole thing? $39.95. And I'm like, no, no, right. I'm not going. I will just ask the professor in question if he or she will send me a copy of the article because I'm not paying $39.95 for this. If I want to interview this person, it's not going to work. So um, folks outside the academic environment don't realize, I don't think, that some of these things cost money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of journals have what they call page costs, where there's actually a cost to submit, um, or if it's if it is accepted, there's a cost associated with the actual publication process. Um, and fortunately, we are working in an environment where we're being supported through Western Kentucky University. 
on the International Journal of Exercise Science so that we do not have to charge for submissions at this point. Um, all of our editors are volunteering their time. Our reviewers are volunteering their time. So we don't have fees associated with staff at this point. Um, so that's one of our goal is, goals is to meet, maintain a, a resource that's freely accessible mm -hmm. and is either free or really low cost to submit to. Yeah, like $20 cost <laughs> is what we're thinking. Um, so, and I mean, that's, it's just another layer of what makes this so exciting is that it gets to be something that's open access that mm -hmm. anybody can use to their benefit. How often will the issues come out? We're actually doing rolling publications. So as soon as we get a, a manuscript that is uh, given the green light from the reviewers and the editor, we'll get it through the page proofing process. And as soon as that's done, we're gonna make it live on the site. So it's just gonna be rolling publication. Um, so yeah, endless, endless. <laughs> <That is laughs> our answer. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually in the process as we speak of um, creating the page proofs for our first two publications that will be coming out in the next month. I ask because, as you know, some journals publish quarterly, some publish more frequently than that. So that's, in other words, just, you know, watch this space because there will be new things coming up on it all the time. I think yes. that's, yep, the, one of the benefits of being in an online environment is that you have that ability to publish one or release one at a time as opposed to waiting to get that bundle so that you can put out one volume or one issue at, at a time. So that is something we're happy to take advantage being online. Mm -hmm. Your initial issue says that eventually you hope to include uh, course syllabi, editorial commentaries, textbook reviews, and other si items just uh, besides research papers. That's all part of the uh, uh, of the mentality, I take it, that this is not just about your standard operational quantitative uh, uh, research project where you crunch the number. This is also about the, the holistic teaching experience and learning mm -hmm. experience, right? Yes. And I think that was kind of sparked. We went to an education conference actually one summer and it was just the most invigorating experience because you go to these presentations and unlike something that's more field specific where you're like, wow, these researchers are really smart. They did smart things. And if I thought about it for a year, <laughs> I could probably figure out how to improve it just as much. Um, but with education, when we walked away from that conference, like your gears are just You're automatically everything. spinning yeah. because you see fireworks going off because yeah. you feel like you can use everything. Exactly. So. And so the idea of having a journal where people can live in that space and just kind of as much as they want to work to develop and form their pedagogy, they're free to do so. That's kind of our goal is to just create a hub of places where people who want to be better teachers can go and find all of the resources their hearts desire. <laughs> You, uh, do you contact your colleagues at other institutions that you have met at these conferences and say, hey, you know, we've got this new journal here. Please send us your submissions. Send us anything. Yeah. You want the, to send us. Yeah, the inaugural call for papers is being sent out to many different institutions and colleagues at other other locations. So we are just we're in the midst of that process right now. Yep. 
Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about a brand new academic journal called Educational Practices in Kinesiology, and two of the founders of it are with us, Dr. Jennifer Caputo and Dr. Samantha Johnson, both exercise science specialists. Do you have any idea, this is just a, a bit off the wall, but do you have any idea whether any other MTSU professors have started their own academic journals? in or out of your discipline? Just have you heard anything whatsoever? I have not heard. I have no idea. I don't, uh, that's an honest answer is I actually do not know. I've (laughs) not heard of any, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. happened. I can, in all honesty, it's not something that I thought I would do in my career. (laughs) Um, But when, you know, as Sam alluded to, we just, we had this goal of improving our own teaching and Mm -hmm. in looking for resources, we saw this void in the field And we were just fortunate enough to come into contact with another group who had the same professional goals as we have. And we've just been able to get together and get this off the ground and running. Um, It's wonderful what you can do when you have a team of like-minded individuals with a common goal who are as excited to meet with you and to make progress every single week. Um, so it's been an, it's been a wonderful journey to get to this point. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about those, our meetings with the journal, people that's one of our favorite things we get to do every week mm-hmm. is to meet with that group of people and just make and it's it's always productive is the uh-huh. other thing it isn't just having fun it's we're it's we're such a productive group of individuals mm-hmm. so and it's been nice to be able to make contacts with individuals in our profession who are spread across the country mm-hmm. because we're all experiencing different things and getting advice from each other yes. and sharing our own ideas so in addition to preparing or creating a peer-reviewed journal, we've been counseling each other on what we're doing in the classroom and ways we can improve. So we are learning and becoming better just through the process of developing this journal. Yeah. And no doubt this is all made easier by digital technology because if you were back in the hard copy era, this would be quite an undertaking, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think impossible is the word that I would want to use. Um, I mean, Zoom has been an invaluable tool for us. Right. I mean, you and I maybe could have made a journal that's about 50% as good as the one now. Um, But definitely having the access to Zoom and being able to share everything with these people across the country Mm -hmm. has been just invaluable. Is it any kind of a challenge to manage your time between your classroom duties and your other university duties and working on the journal? Or has it not gotten to that point yet where you have to be real time management focused 
in this way? I think there's, there's always going to be that balance. Mm -hmm. um, I think the one thing that helps is it's easy to prioritize something that is so exciting to you. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't so. feel like I'm working. Like I'm sometimes I sit at my desk in my office and we're on these epic meetings and I'm like, am I actually getting paid to do this? Yes. Like, is this a thing I get paid to do? Because I love this. Yeah, we're sitting in a meeting and you love who you're talking to and you love what you're doing. So it's work, but it's work that we love. So it does get balanced, but it gets prioritized with some other things that are going on. And um, I think as we start to get more and more submissions, the workload will start to increase. Mm -hmm. um, but our goal is also to start incorporating student editors so that they can also gain from this experience mm -hmm. and um, help them moving forward in the profession. Yeah, particularly our PhD students who are, you know, they've open, most of them have openly expressed that working in academia is important to them. And uh, most of them come to MTSU because the teaching assistantships are so, the opportunities there are so great. Um, I don't know of many programs that allow as much teaching as ours. So mm -hmm. this is like another layer of getting that experience. Uh, people want to know more. Where do they find your journal and how do they get in touch with you guys if they want to communicate? Um, well, I can give you a web address for the journal, okay. which is digitalcommons.wku.edu backslash epic, E-P-I-K. The journal's name is Educational Practices in Kinesiology which can also be searched on Google. Yes, and we do have, uh, we have social media. So we have Twitter and Instagram and the handles for both of those are epic, E-P-I-K underscore journal. Um, and anybody who wanted to reach out to us, if they just go to that, that web address that Jen mentioned, there's a contact us button that will allow that person to reach out to our entire editorial staff. Yeah, so they can also come come to campus, come to the Alumni Memorial Gym, and they'll find both of us. Yes. In the, uh, on, uh, on the lower floor, because that's where all the exercise <laughs> is, and the <laughs> underwater treadmill, and all of, all of that stuff. Thank you both for being our guest on MGSU on the Rick. It's been a Thank pleasure. You so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. Audio production students in MTSU's Department of Recording Industry are now using nearly 5,000 square feet of customized, expandable, world-class new space, relocated back to a site only a few yards from where the program began teaching how to make music sound right 40 years ago. Department Chair John Merchant says the nearly $2 million facilities will be extraordinarily valuable to students. 
it's a game changer for us because it means that our students are, are getting to work in these like acoustically and, and electronically superior spaces and you can really hear clearly what you're doing and that makes such a difference in terms of the kind of work you can produce um, and the fact that this is, these are our, now our introductory studios means that students are getting that kind of experience right out of the gate that's hugely beneficial obviously it's hard to know what all of the impact be, but I can tell you in the short term that, that our students are extremely excited about this opportunity, as they should be. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.